Good morning. Um, this morning's scripture reading is from 1 John chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. And I read, We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Nathan. Debbie Boone wrote a song back in 1977, You Light Up My Life. Anybody recognize it? Oh, yeah. Us old timers. Um, A song that uh, became immensely popular. And we love to hear it and hear it sung 40 years later. And you light up my life, you give me hope to carry on. You light up my days and fill my nights with song. Now some songs just have this unique ability to be able to pull us in. Uh, Maybe it's the words, maybe it's the melody. It's just like, oh, you find yourself saying, I I love that song. And uh, this particular song can fit any context. It, it could be you light up my life and you're thinking of a parent. It could be you light up my life and you're thinking of a good friend or your marriage partner or your daughter or your son. Uh, and it could be Jesus. And he lights up your life. And he brings you hope. Well, friends, we're on a summer cruise uh, uh, at Southwest. I've never been on a cruise before. Has anybody here ever been on a cruise? Oh my goodness, look at that. And you just came back from a cruise like yesterday, so a cruise to Alaska. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, we left Port Welcome last Sunday, and this Sunday we're docking at Port Light. Port Light brings clarity to our lives uh, because light reveals Light shows us where we're really at. And as you can surmise, the summer cruise is just a quick tour through the letter of 1 John. John is the writer. Uh, And do you remember how Jesus called John and his brother James? That Jesus was walking along and he saw these two strapping young lads repairing their nets. And they were fishermen. But it catches our attention that Jesus found them while they were mending their nets. Do you ever think about that? And he called them. And I just say that because that turned out to be the ministry of John through the years. He was John the Mender. Not a mender of nets any longer, but a a mender of rips and tears and brokenness within the body of Christ, within the church, within the followers of Christ, and the churches that were coming into existence at that time, it was symbolic of who John would be, a person who mends things and calls us back to the essentials of the faith. He is a defender of the faith. You might call him an apologist. He's a clarifier of the faith. He's mending in 1 John 
uh, chapter one, well, through all through the whole book, he is concerned to mend and and uh, the brokenness in people's lives, and perhaps more so the misconceptions that people have. And he will take the time to stop and say, yeah, yeah, that's right, but right here, right here is where you get off track. This is crucial to the Christian faith, and he, he makes sure that we get it right. He's a mender and a defender of the Christian faith, and we need those people uh, who call us back to correction uh, in our lives. If you were able to be with us last Sunday, we, you will recall that John took pen to hand and immediately launched into presenting us a life, uh, a life that appeared in history, uh, a life in the form of a person. And John takes careful effort to tell us that this was a real person, that he was visible, that he was alive, that we touched him with our hands, we saw him with our eyes, he really existed. And John says, I was there. I knew him. I walked with him. I ate with him. I, I journeyed together with him. That he wasn't some character that we made up in our minds, a figment of our imagination. No, he really existed. And we spent three years walking with him and talking with him and doing life together. And we learned so much about him. John is anxious to clarify who he is so that we can all share in this wonderful message that he brought to us. He's excited to tell us that there is a way that you can have this real person in history. And there is a way that he can have you. And that there is a way that the two of you can be brought together as you live your life out on this planet. He will light up your life he will bring you hope to carry on. And of course, his name is Jesus. Now, in paragraph 2, or verse 5, if you're following, 1 John chapter 1 is our text. We discover that his life was a message. His whole life was a message. His life is a message to the world. And he writes, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. A man or a, a woman or a man's life is a message. Your life is a message. Uh, my life is a message. If you visit Israel, there's a place called Masada, which is very close to the Dead Sea. It's a large mountain, and uh, uh, it was the summer palace of uh, King Herod. And the Romans were in power, and they attacked Masada, this mountain. You can see the ramp that goes up. It took two and a half years for the Romans to build that ramp so that they could get up and top and conquer Masada. Uh, and uh, the, the Jewish people fought valiantly, and after two and a half years, they had to succumb. But when they got, when the Romans got to the top of Masada, they found that, that there was no one alive any longer. They had taken their own lives, the Jewish people. And the Masada is now the message of determination and perseverance. And often Israeli soldiers will be brought to this mountain because, uh, as they're sworn into service because of the message of the mountain, perseverance. We will never quit. We will never give up. A mountain can be a message. 
A man's life can become a message, like Adolf Hitler. When we think of Adolf Hitler, we think of a man whose immense pride caused him to do many things that were all about his glory, were all about his fame, were all, was all about getting more and more for him. And he opened the door, as we all know, to terrible atrocities in history. But his life was a message. Not a good one, but it was a message. On the other hand, when I was a young boy, I was given a little book called The Peanut Man. Anybody ever read it? Uh, it? It's a story of George Washington Carver, a man born into slavery <clears throat> who became one of the greatest scientists in the nation of the United States, and his discovery blessed the whole world. What message did he give to the world? His message was that true humility is the open door to learning. If you are humble enough, the world is at your fingertips. You can learn and learn and learn and learn and grow. But it all flows out of humility, how you approach life. So let's start right in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Jesus came to tell us what God is like. And you can think of verses uh, almost immediately that support what John says here. Selena picked a, a number of great songs that had this whole theme of light moving through the, the, the song and the words. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. The Gospel of John, our same beloved disciple, touches on it right off the bat in the Gospel. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And John, the Gospel writer, also writes about John the Baptist. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And then, of course, you remember the words of Jesus, who said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So the concept that God is light is real important to John, because I believe if we hear what he's saying, that we would agree that this is the heart of our Savior's message. Jesus wanted to tell us who God is. And that's what John wants us to understand. You can know what God is like through observing Jesus while he was here in his earthly body. Or you, you can know what God is like by having Jesus live in your life here in the 21st century. We've learned a lot about light in these past 20 centuries after the birth of Christ. And today we use light as a powerful force that does amazing things to repair our body. Power of laser light, laser surgery is incredible. We use light in x-rays, and we peek out into outer space, and particularly these days, are you following? Uh, some amazing things in space that we've never seen before with the James Watt telescope. It's just, it's just amazing to see these pictures coming back in. Uh, and, and we can see what's way out there in space. Amazing photos, I think, of the greatness of God. But if you boil it all down, light does a few things which uh, has been truth all through the existence of light. And it's true of who 
God is as well. The first thing that's true of light is that it reveals. Light reveals. Uh, I can see every one of you in this room, but close the blinds, shut off the lights, and maybe we won't have to wait a few hours, and you will be completely in the dark. I won't be able to see you. A pastor uh, who's in heaven today for many years uh, uh, told a story of how he and uh, some friends wanted to see the Grand Canyon. They were students uh, back in those days, didn't have very much money. They arrived uh, at midnight uh, at the Grand Canyon, <laughs> and it was so dark because it was, it was pitch black at midnight. They had no, no idea exactly where they were at in relationship to the canyon. So, you know, being guys, they just pulled out the sleeping bags and they just slept on the ground. Uh, and uh, the next morning, when the sun came up, this man commented that I woke first, rolled over, and discovered I was sleeping within an arm's length of the canyon. Now, if I'd rolled over in my sleep, I would have fallen over the edge of a 500-foot precipice. <laughs> in the darkness, we had not seen it, but the light made it clear. When, when I read that, that kind of gave me the jitters because I roll a lot in my sleep, and I thought, oh... I would have been a goner. This is just too real for me. But that's precisely what God does for us if we want him to. He reveals reality to us. Maybe sometimes he, he lets us know we're too close to the edge. But the illuminating power of the Spirit of God searches us and informs us and reveals to us that we are in relationship to him. You may not see it clearly all one in one moment, but gradually as you walk in fellowship with him, he reveals to you who you are and where you are and where he wants you to be. And that was Paul's prayer for the Colossians. Listen to it. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. He was praying for the people in his faith community, that they would see God, that they would have true spiritual eyesight, and they, they would trust God for the days ahead for their lives. As we walk with God, the light of his word, the light of his presence helps us with the great questions of life. Why am I here? What's the purpose for my existence? God, what do you want of me? What is your call on my life? Where are you leading me? What doors are you opening for me? Now, the second thing that light does is it assesses. Uh, surveyors find it to be the best instrument for ensuring something is straight. If you want something to be straight, you somehow use light. Why? Because light's always straight. I'm f following Tiger Woods these days. I don't know if you are. He's over in St. Andrews. He's playing golf. He's struggling. He walked across that famous bridge and he actually stopped and nodded to the, to the crowd because he knew in his heart that his career is, is gradually coming to an end. And it's, it's, it's an emotional time. And he is probably going to be able to golf in a few tournaments. But his heyday 
is, is behind him. And it reminded me of the golf tournament in Miami, Florida in 2003. The Ford Invitational it was getting dark. And the tournament wasn't over, but the fans wanted the golfers to finish. It was a, it was a Saturday. It was a Sunday. And, uh, and the golfers were very close in their scores. And Scott Hoke was right up there in the, uh, in the running, but he refused to finish the game because he came to the last green and he had a putt, nine-foot putt. And if he made it, it would be a birdie and he could win. The darkness was such that there was shadows on the green. Hoke was unsure about the lay of the green, so the tournament's sudden death finish was delayed until the next morning, which frustrated the fans because they wanted to go home. They wanted this to be the end of the tournament. But he would not putt. <laughs> he would not putt. He sank his putt the next morning and then birdied a third playoff hole to win $900,000. He tried to finish the tournament on Sunday. If he had tried to, he would have probably lost. In the dwindling light, Hoke, who had had five eye surgeries, thought the putt would move left. His caddy saw it the other way. He thought the, the ball would move to the right. And the morning light proved the caddy right. He needed the best light he could, could to assess where to put the ball. Now, when you ask God for his assessment of how things are in your situation, he will guide you in looking at it from his perspective. He will help you discern and help you measure and help you get a clear reading, a straight perspective. And we can ask God for that clear reading on our situation. We have an expression today, he will be straight with you which means he will tell you the truth. We have huge challenges on a global scale. I mean, how do you resolve this tragedy that is unfolding before our eyes day after day, week after week, now month after month, with every day 100 people or more getting killed? And it just goes on and on and on. Huge wisdom is needed as world leaders gain insight by the light they can see. What does the light assess, assess the situation to be? And that's why we need to pray for them, that they will have the light and revelation of God to make the right decisions. How do we respond with the economic woes of our day? How do we find an assessment tool, a measuring stick to guide us we find it in God who gives us perspective and counsel and wisdom and revelation. I don't know. You could be contemplating a decision these days that looks rather attractive to you. But you know when you run it past God, you know the thought is not from God. And if you follow your inclination, it will result in much pain for you and your friends and your family. But because you got discouraged, you're heading down this road. It's not the heart of God. But one day the blindness will pass, and God's light stops you from going in a direction that is filled with nothing but anguish. Yes, we are grateful, as John says in his gospel, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot put it out. 
Now, there's a third quality about light that hasn't changed at all through the years, and that is that life rejuvenates. Light rejuvenates. Light strengthens. Light energizes. Light brings things to life. We were driving in Waterton Park just a couple of weeks ago, and we noticed how the great fire of 2017 had come so dangerously close to the town. Do you remember the devastation? Do you remember that fire when it was, was uh, just out of control? And I don't know how they managed to save the town, but they did. And it was amazing because on every side, the forest is burned right up to the town, right around the, right around the town. That was five years ago, but now there's new growth. And uh, coming right beside the burned trees, and gradually over the years, the forest will rebuild and be restored. It takes light and water and warm sun, but it happens. And the light of the sun energizes what we see in Alberta today. What a year of summer growth this has been. This has been a fantastic year. We've had the rain, and we've had the sun, and we've seen such beautiful vegetation and growth all around us. We haven't needed to water the lawn very much. I think we're going to have to start pretty soon, though. Uh, but the presence of God in our lives keeps renewing us and rebuilding us and energizing us to stay the course and to keep on keeping on. God rebuilds the burned-out areas of our lives. He's never finished with us. He renews and restores and rebuilds. He gives us renewed vision to go on. So John says, yes, we were there with Christ. And John is saying, I was with him. I knew him. I, I heard what he had to say. And this is the message that God is light. God is truth. And in him there is no darkness at all. And then we come to verse 6. And we have to draw a circle around the word fellowship. And here's what John says. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, we are not practicing the truth. And it takes us back to verse 3, just to keep our thinking clear here. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if this is new to you, but it was really helpful to me, and I found the writing of Ray Steadman very helpful as he commented on this passage, referring to the difference between a relationship and fellowship. Relationship is becoming a member of the family of God by faith in Jesus Christ. It's established by asking Him to come into your heart and your life. And John makes that very clear at the end of the letter, that he who has the Son has life, but he who has not the Son of God has not life. And the Christian life starts right there with the matter of relationship. But fellowship is another word, and it's, it's experiencing Christ. It really is the theme of the whole letter of 1 John. Relationship is accepting Christ. Fellowship is is experiencing him. You will never have fellowship until you have established relationship. But you can certainly have relationship without fellowship. And that's what this letter emphasizes for us. 
Relationship means that all that God has is potentially yours. But fellowship means that you are actually drawing upon that and his resources are visible in your experience. Relationship is you possessing God. Fellowship is God possessing you. Uh, fellowship is the key to vital Christianity. The important question is, as a Christian, are you enjoying fellowship with the Father and with His Son? More than just relationship, but are you enjoying fellowship? What keeps us renewed and what keeps us refreshed from day to day, from week to week, from month to month, from year to year, is our fellowship. What happens to keep many brothers and sisters in Christ from being renewed and strengthened? They, they, have, they have a relationship, but they're missing the fellowship, the abiding in Christ. Now, notice how John, John phrases it. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship, not relationship, if we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness, we're not practicing the truth. It's possible that John is expressing that you can be a follower of Christ and have a relationship, but not have friendship or fellowship. Does that make sense? Maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus for 10, 20, 30 years, but you're missing the fellowship. You're missing the intimacy. You're, you're missing the abiding. The, the darkness is not a relationship problem. It's a friendship problem. And it's, uh, it, it's not that this person has fallen into some kind of grievous sin. It's that the fellowship with God is absent. Now, friends, this is not just a tiny issue for followers of Christ. It impacts many, many of us. And it's commonplace. The missing out of the joy and the blessing and of the presence of God and walking with Him daily in His light. How does it come to be that we walk in darkness? Meaning that we're not experiencing the light of Christ in our hearts. One of the ways is that we move from light to darkness is through not being part of a church family on a regular basis. Connection. Regular connection. Uh, this is, there is something about being together that is so helpful to us. Exposure to the Word and the Spirit speaking through His Word. Sometimes it makes us feel uncomfortable, but that's okay because it brings us back into fellowship, and that's our heart's desire. The Holy Spirit uses this time together as His people. The writer of Hebrews says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now for the day of his re as the day of his returning is drawing near. We need all the right places in life to strengthen friendship and fellowship. The life groups are vital to us to help us in our fellowship with God. And being in the Word day by day by day, uh, we give the Spirit opportunity to speak into our hearts and minds and move us from darkness into light. And I know it's easy to say, you know, I, I just, yeah, it's, it's easy for you, but it's not easy for me. You should see my schedule. I just don't have the time. But you also notice that when you withdraw from the Word, 
you lose some of the fellowship. You lose intimacy. And one more, taking time to reflect and examine my life is regular on a, on a, on a regular basis. It's so critical. Paul says to examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. And John in the fourth chapter reminds us not to believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. And when you find time to come aside and examine your life and do a self-inventory of your fellowship with God, you ask the question, how can I strengthen my relationship with God in that way? Another way to grow in our fellowship is to remain transparent. You don't have to present a, a, a plastic face to the world. It's okay to say you're struggling. It's okay to admit to a need. In fact, your humble heart to authentically seek to walk with God is really encouraging to others. Walking in the light doesn't mean perfection. Walking in the light doesn't mean the absence of struggles. I think part of the journey of being on the road with God is that we gradually gain a more accurate perception of ourselves. Dallas Willard writes about a, a two-and-a-half-year-old girl in her, her backyard who one day discovered the secret to making mud, but she called it warm chocolate. Now, isn't that a good term? Warm chocolate. And her, her grandmother had been reading and not watching her granddaughter, and uh, she got all messed up with this wonderful warm chocolate and was a mess, and uh, she got her cleaned up. And then little Larissa told her uh, uh, that, uh, Grandma, you, you keep on reading and that l l she would be able to play by herself. And she um, kind of was sweet-talking Grandma. And she said, don't look at me, Nana, okay? And, uh, of course, Nana, being a little codependent, agreed. And l Larissa continu continued to manufacture her warm chocolate. And three times she looked at her and said, don't look at me, Nana, okay? Don't look at me, Nana. Don't look at me, Nana. And then Willard writes, thus the tender soul of a little child shows how necessary that we be unobserved in our wrong. That we be unobserved in our wrong. Any time we choose to do wrong or to withhold doing right, we choose hiddenness as well. It may be that out of all of the prayers that we pray, the most common one, <laughs> the quietest one, the one that we least acknowledge is simply this, don't look at me, God. Don't look at me, God. It was the very first prayer spoken after the fall. God came to walk in the garden to be with the man and the woman, and he called, where are you? And the word says, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid, Adam answered, so I hid. Don't look at me, God. We still have a relationship, but you see, something happened to the fellowship. The claim that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. Now John says, but, and you know when he uses that word, you know things are going to turn around. But if we are living in the light... As God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I would just uh, have you imagine as we close 
that there's a, a huge light shining down on this aisle from the beginning back to the wall. And that this aisle is the imaginary pathway of life. It's the roadway that we walk. And the light falls on this road. And the light is bright and illuminating. And if you stay on this illuminated pathway, you will find that your fellowship with fellow travelers is rich and awesome. And you will have heart connections wherever you go. You will find that you have people who will pray with you, who will support you, who will encourage you, and you are that person who will also be supportive of others. And it will be a give-and-take relationship all through your journey, and it's awesome. It, it is a journey of wonderful koinonia. It's a journey of connection. It's a journey of fellowship. And you realize as you walk this road, you have insight that you're not perfect, that you have flaws and imperfection, and the light reveals it. And oftentimes on the roadway, you blow it, you sin, you make mistakes, but because you're on the roadway, walking in the light, walking in the truth, you have fellowship with Christ, and all along the way, you begin to experience the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And this is the pathway you walk through life. And you see, the blood of Christ keeps on cleansing us. Every moment, the detergent, the blood of Christ keeps on cleansing, keeps on cleaning you up. And at every turn in the road, you could go the wrong direction, and you could be prone to get in the ditches, but the blood of Christ is always cleaning you up. The blood of Christ is cleansing the way you live. And you're beginning to live differently on this pathway. And the words that are coming out of your mouth are, are different. The old words of vulgarity and cutting and innuendos and gossip and sexual inappropriateness, all those words are losing ground. And transformation is coming through the blood of Christ who is cleansing you. It's the best detergent ever. And there is a cleansing as you walk in the light and become aware of it. I don't think and act like I used to. I, I don't put down like I used to. I don't try to get a, a laugh at the expense of others like I used to. And your actions are being transformed by the blood of Christ. The illuminated pathway is a place of cleansing. His, his blood cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship, it's an old word. It's such an important word for us. Fellowship, the sharing of our hearts with God and with one another. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen. Let's stand together, please. Father, the great, great privilege of our lives is to have fellowship with you. It is so precious to not only know you, but to be known by you. We want to walk in the light. We want to enjoy the light. We want to enjoy the joy of your active presence in our lives. So we invite you this Sunday morning in July 2022 
to take full control of each of our lives. May no one be left behind in their joy of experiencing your love and your goodness day by day. Thank you for the blood you gave in order to cleanse us from all of our sin. We walk with you day by day being cleansed and renewed and experiencing your renewal and cleansing in the name of Jesus. So we thank you today, Lord Jesus. We thank you for being our Savior and, and our guide. We thank you for showing us the light of the Father. And we thank you that you reveal the Father to us in such a beautiful way. We love you this morning, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your life upon this earth. And we thank you for dying for us and shedding your blood. And now we want to walk and live in the light of Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.